Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. Watched a, a movie with the girls there the other day. Kindergarten cop. The, one of the kids in the class, <laughs> the dad was going to come and kidnap him. Couldn't they just homeschool the kid? Solve that problem right there. No need to have this awkward Austrian man come in. Mm-hmm. Even if I spend all my and my mother's savings, I will be able to cover only part of the cost for this trip. Mm, That's all saber. I can say. I was ready to pack my suitcase and now I'm crying. Mm -hmm. I think we should make an equal contribution to our meeting. Yes, I agree. We got our first money ask. Perfect. Just write a check. Send it off tonight. Mm -hmm. It'll be the end of my letter. I have to go back to home now. Getting dark. It's getting Getting dark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no need to spend all that money as my cousin is a pilot and he can get to me to get me to Russia for twenty five (laughs) dollars. That's it. Mm -hmm. When you said I can make my way over there, was she like, this is great. You sleep at uncle's place. Mm -hmm. What do you have for body parts? (laughs) Please list your body parts alphabetically. Mm -hmm. I've got a hotmail. Literally my email address. Who's your daddy (laughs) and what does he do? I think you buy a ticket. I think you go. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast, presented by our good friends at Coors Light. Loaded with the good stuff. Dance. Dance. We are two months deep into summer. June 11th. (laughs) 2018. You made me spit up. I, I missed that uh, Jonathan there. Torrens line saying, you list your body parts. There was so much going on. It <laughs> yeah, was, that was, uh, it was controlled chaos. We apologize for that, uh, the last podcast. We had a lot of fun, but when you have... Uh, how we, we had five, including us, there were five people on the mics. So it was... Uh, yeah, it might have been a little... Uh, <laughs> we might have missed a couple of great lines but, uh, from Jono. But there was an email address that was put out on that podcast. And boy... Tim Oxford at Hotmail.com <laughs> turned out to be Tim Oxford, drummer of the Arkells, actual email address. And oh, did Tim receive some emails last week. Yeah, they were all from um, Ukrainian women looking for a man. That's right. <laughs> Which probably when he signed up for Hotmail, that was his dream back then. Yeah. You know, if I could only get some Ukrainian women to email me. On this hotmail, and I'd then, be happy and then a, a lot of actual listeners emailed them and said, "Hey, I had to." I yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, we appreciate that. Yeah. I don't think Tim minded that much. It'll no. probably die down. I'm not the Ukrainian women. That'll never stop. That'll drive him insane until he's forced to adopt a new email right. address. Speaking T. of T Oxford at hotmail.com. Speaking of which, uh, like it's almost like paperwork now with Olga. I had oh to boy. print stuff off, but luckily there are a lot of quick exchanges this time. Okay, we'll let's get, get that. let's we'll get, get into it now. Oh, now? Yeah, because yeah. I think we should get into it now because we got a couple of guests on the show today, and we got to get to them. Pretty Can quick. I just bring up something though? I went to a Blue Jay game Saturday. Why don't you do that after? Let's do Olga <laughs> now. You really want to get this out? Yes. Of no, not out of the way. I want to make sure. Okay, we so get this it is in. the last one we sent. Can't make it next week. Uh, What's well, another good time? Whatever. Right. Right. She said, uh, my love, Dan, do you really want to come visit me? It sounds great. My vacation's already very soon, and it's good time to meet in person. I'm very happy about your message. Tell me the date when you plan to arrive. If you're just tuning in, this is a, a female in Russia that I've been emailing for about a month, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. we're trying to arrange a meetup. We're pretty sure it's, it's a man that is emailing. Anyway, I'm continuing with the charade. 
Uh, I'll introduce you to my friends and my family, of course. You can stay in my house if you want. I'll show you many interesting places. It'll be an amazing time for the two of us. How long can you stay in Russia? And then she said, I'll be waiting for your letter. My love, Dan, I miss you. What are you... Oh, crap. See, this is where it gets so freaking confusing. So I said, Olga, it's sad that you've put a time limit on our relationship. Mm. This saddens me. As I previously told you, next week is not good for me as I will be in New York City to crown the championship golfer at the U.S. Open. (laughs) I dare not miss this event as it is critical I am there. As you see by the picture, I have sent the money you requested. It should be there any day now. And I sent her this uh, picture. It's an envelope that says, Olga... Then Orenburg, Russia, and uh, and you drew a fake stamp on it. No <laughs> postal or zip code, no actual address. We should definitely. I don't know if you posted that, but you should post that on the Jane Dan. Okay, maybe the Instagram stories. So she responds. So she gets that. I thought, okay, she'll easily right. Yeah, this is this I'm is old. it. She said, "Are you laughing at me? <gasps> what nonsense did you write to me?" Do you think I'm stupid? Oh, no. Do you think that if you sign the envelope, I will believe that you sent money? Dan, my dear, I, too, am sad and not comfortable because of this situation that I have to spend so much time discussing our meeting. We could discuss more interesting things. Well, it seems I'll have to return to this again. It's hard to, for me to be alone without a man. I'm still a young girl, and I lack tenderness and affection. But I think it's better that I'll be alone than with anyone. I need only one man who will love and care for me to whom I can give all my feelings and will be true. This conversation does not make me happier every day of the day. So let's decide today, Dan. Either we meet or no. There are only two options for us. Now, do you understand why I'm trying to rush you? I'm afraid if we do not take this serious step forward, our meeting, then we'll simply not have a suitable chance to meet. I will go on vacation and most likely spend it in the countryside. Then I'll be busy with work and cannot take a vacation for a long time. What is even more offensive to me, you will find a new girl and you will tell her what I would like to hear. To whisper tender words into her ear, to hold her in your arms and receive mutual caresses. Okay. Okay. This cuts my heart with a knife. What can? Why can you not decide now on a serious act? Do a man's act and tell me your firm word. Sorry, I do not want to hear from you anymore. Or, yes, my dear, pack up your bags. My wife. <laughs> the decision is up to you. I did everything in my power. I no longer have arguments. No matter how I could influence your decision, still your girl, Olga. So I said, Olga, the real question is, are you laughing at me? Do you think I'm stupid? You think I'd just send money to someone I've never spoken to? Good morning, my Dan. I understand you, but you also understand me. I took a vacation just for you for the sake of our meeting. I do not want to spend my holidays alone. I want to hear from you. But I did I did everything that was in my power. I cannot take care of my arrival alone. Oh my God, this goes on forever. I said, Olga, I found a solution. Since I get a ticket to Russia for cheaper, you send me $800, and then I book the flight and be there next week for your vacation. When can I expect the money? I need to book the flight quickly. Yeah, that's that seems logical. Olga, do you read my letters? I explained to you that I cannot buy tickets separately from my visa. The travel agency is not going to make me a visa separately. They say they can deal with my documents only if I order a full range of services, including an air ticket. Olga, you need... You don't need to buy a ticket. You just need to send me money. Mm-hmm. Those dollar dollar bills, y'all. That's right. I will buy a ticket to Russia, but need money from you first. And then she goes back this one. Oh, my God. And uh, this is, 
it's stressful, these conversations. Well, you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> my love, Dan, I miss you. What are you talking about? I already explained to you that I cannot buy tickets separately from my visa. Okay, we got it. Okay. Um, you don't need to buy a ticket. I'm flying to you. I have to explain this every time. Much cheaper than your ticket. And then she said, are you stupid? Ooh. You told me you can come to me for 25 bucks. And now oh. you write to me that you need 400 bucks. Yeah, see? Do you have a visa? You cannot come to Russia without a visa. And what kind of nonsense do you write to me? I already explained to you that I cannot buy tickets separately from my visa. Do you understand me? So I said, are you stupid? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, the podcast I- is sponsored by our friends at Coors Light, by the way. I said, yes, I have a visa. With taxes, my ticket's $800. You don't need a visa to send me money. If you don't send me money, I will know that this was a big scam and that you never once loved me at all. Ooh, the L word. So she sends back, send me a scan of your Russian visa. Whoa. So I said, do you think I'm so stupid to send such an important document to someone over email? And then she responds, because you do not have it. You'll always come up with excuses. She's right. So I said, says the only person on earth who doesn't have a phone number. Boom. Toolsy. Point to Toolsy. And then I said, how many people on earth actually fall for your scam? And is that where we left it? No. Then she sent me this one. And it's so long. Now she's back to being loving. She okay, says, hold on. Before you get to that, we're, we're going to have a guest coming up in three minutes. Okay, I can... So uh, let's... Okay, we'll we'll put that on pause. Yeah. Well, just wait. I'll give you the, the... Oh, okay. No, I was going to say we could save it till the end of the podcast. We could come back to it. Okay, so we'll, we'll come back let's to Let's come it. back to that. So you okay. really laid the hammer down at the end there. Yeah. And now she's coming back. So that's our little cliffhanger. you got to keep listening at the and end. And then we'll craft a response to this one. Perfect. I love it. Because I can't do this. This is like, I've got files now. Olga's yeah. filling to, files. I can attest to this. If you're listening, which people normally do on a podcast, they just listen. Dan's got pages and pages <laughs> of printed out emails right in front of him. And I can see the stress. You can hear the stress in his voice. Now, this has gone from a fun little podcast gag to uh, to something that is uh, prematurely aging Dan more than life itself has already prematurely aged him. So, uh, and if, but everyone whew. wants to know. Every person I run into, they're like, "What's going on with Olga?" Yeah, well, this was an exciting story. We were hoping for love for you. We were hoping love was going to find you from across the pond, just as the World Cup began in Russia. I should say I should ask her about the World Cup. Yeah, you should ask her if she wants to go with you. We could get tickets. We're the official broadcaster. Hey, we know people over there. Exactly. They can go to Orenburg. Yes, lots of Fox people, less TSN people. Don't have quite the same cash. And uh, and there's people over there now that we could send. Okay, so I think part of our response will be. Okay, I've got the money. Yeah. I know people over there. Give me your address. They'll come drop it off to you. Boom. And Rob, Rob Stone, who's been on this podcast, he's the uh, host of Fox Soccer. You know what we'll do? We'll get him on the podcast, and we'll, after he goes to drop it off at Orenburg. But he might die. Well, he, but he's, he doesn't have anything to do. He's just the official <laughs> host of Fox's World Cup coverage all over the United States from Moscow. So uh, I'm sure he's got the time to just hop on a quick First-class train to Orenburg from Moscow. So we'll arrange Or that. we can send uh, Orono native Rachel Bonetta. Oh, Jenny Taft. She could go. Um, uh, who else? Who's the Who hosted the Bundesliga? Uh, Brit. 
So they're staying in Moscow? Yes. Okay. I'll, yeah. uh, should we dial up? I guess I'm going to look the distance. Yeah, well, before we do it, actually, before we dial them up, just a quick backstory. No, no, go ahead, actually, stuff. Go ahead, dial them up. Uh, David McMillan is our first guest, and then our second guest is Jamie Noodles McLennan. David's coming on. He's the owner of Joe Beef and uh, in Montreal. Amazing restaurant. Uh, just wait. It's it's 1,400 kilometers from Orangeburg to Moscow. Perfect. That's just a 14-hour train trip. No problem. No problem. Okay, sorry. So you may know uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, chef, author, uh, passed away, uh, took his own life last Friday in France while he was shooting an episode of his CNN show, Parts Unknown. This has affected more people deeply than I ever realized that it could. I was going to say the same thing. It's incredible how this has affected people. He uh, represented something to everybody. I think you and I talked about it. You and I saw him as a guy, <laughs> I'm sure everyone else saw him as this uh, cool chef restaurateur. You and I just saw him as a guy who pretty much had the, the dream job that we would want to have, or anyone in broadcasting would want to have. Traveling the world, meeting interesting people, eating amazing food, and just generally being the coolest mother around the planet. Period. And this has affected a ton of people. It's, it's, it's been, I don't know, it's been interesting. Yeah, it has. I just was listening to Stern on the way in, and uh, Alec Baldwin said how it uh, affected him. He uh, couldn't get over it, and uh, he was uh, still dealing with it. I think the thing that, that's, you know, you knew Bourdain's background, which was he was a drug addict, he struggled with anxiety, with depression. Uh, but I think the thing that this really tells you is that you don't know, you know, you think someone's over that. You think someone's moved on to a different stage of their life, but nobody is ever really over it. Um, that's all I can say about it. You know, I mean, you, you looked at the guy, it seemed like he had it all. He had a movie star girlfriend. He had a daughter. He had, like you and I said, the best job on the planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, and still, it you know, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to overcome what he was dealing with. Um, now, David McMillan uh, is the co-owner of uh, Joe Beef, Levin Papillon, Liverpool House, and Mont Lapin. I hope I'm pronouncing all those correctly. And David... Uh, is an amazing chef and restaurateur from Montreal, and Anthony Bourdain uh, became pretty close with him as he continued to travel back to Montreal, a city that he described as one, his, one of his favorites on the planet, which is amazing when you consider uh, Anthony Bourdain literally traveled the entire world. He loved Montreal, loved the food scene there, and loved uh, David and his partner, Fred Moran. And recently, on an episode of uh, Parts Unknown, one of the last episodes that uh, ever aired... Uh, David and Fred and Anthony went to Newfoundland, and and Fred and David toured him around and kind of showed him the interesting culinary scene there. So, David, I believe you're on the line now. Uh, first of all, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, great to have you on. I know you're super busy. Um, uh, tell us uh, when you first met Anthony, David, and uh, and was it was it an instant bromance right away? Did you guys get along right away? Yeah, we, yeah, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, we met a long time ago. I think uh, you know, our careers have been intertwined since as much his beginnings as perhaps ours. Uh, we met him, I think, when he was hawking uh, the first book on the road, uh, Kitchen Confidential. We had a little dinner for him at Liverpool House. He wanted to meet the local chefs. At that time, the book wasn't really quite mainstream, right? It was really kind of a cult book that was being passed around kitchens. Um, you know, the industry was reading the book, uh, but Tony was still very much like, uh, you know, a guy on a budget staying in cheap hotels <laughs> doing book tour. 
it, when how did the industry react to that book? Because it was a real sensation, right? He was exposing a lot of the secrets of the restaurant industry in a way. Correct. Uh, absolutely. Uh, people didn't know that you shouldn't order fish on certain days. People <laughs> didn't understand, uh, you know, the rousing in the kitchen, the culture, the long hours, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the... Uh, you know, uh, the relationship between chef and food writer, the relationship between chef and customer, uh, how bad, how bad, bad customers can be and how good, good customers can be. And it was a real eye opener. You know, uh, nobody had written about the inner workings of a modern New York kitchen at that time. Let's talk about uh, the fact that Jay discussed this right off the, uh, the top, how the passing of Bourdain we have never seen the outpouring of emotion online, on TV. I can't remember another celebrity or another person that passed in which so many quotes, so many photos were, uh, were sent out by these people because they're trying to, to come to terms with it. Why did he, or how did he have that effect on people? Tony was a pretty public person. Uh, he, he, had, he had the stardom of a Brad Pitt, let's say, you know, the same more, you know, plus he was engaged in social media. He was engaged in uh, all kinds of different causes, but as well walked the streets like you walk the streets, like I walk the streets, ate in restaurants like anybody else, and uh, never said no to anybody who asked for an autograph or a picture. And it was his goal to promote these marginal chef-owned restaurants, chef-owned, uh, you know, butcher-owned butchers, and to, to kind of expose the best of the best of the industry. Not necessarily the most famous, not necessarily the richest, but the people who were passionate about doing the best work that they could, it, that was stuff was really close to Tony's heart. We're seeing now, you know, of course, on social media, that like how many people actually have an autograph, how many people have a picture with him, how many people he actually spoke to, how many conversations he's actually had. It's ridiculous. You know, it's like there's millions of people he's touched. Uh, he was very generous to his friends. You know, my career, Fred's career, and we're just talking about Montreal, you know, Martin Picard's career, we've been busy for, you know, 12 years or 15 years due to, you know, the work that he's done in this province with us. Uh, and there's a trickle-down effect to all of my friends and peers. You know, Tony Bourdain coming to Montreal was beneficial to tourism in the province and Canada as a whole. Uh, we're going to see that now happen in Newfoundland. I don't even think they understand in Newfoundland what's <laughs> about to happen in St. John. You know, there was a little bit of backlash, I think, because Tony called, like, said Newfie, the word Newfie, and some people... <laughs> Some people got upset about that, but I don't even really, I don't think they yet understand the show aired two weeks ago. Uh, they're going to see next year an enormous spike in tourism, and then they'll remember and feel sorry for, you know, making a kerfuffle about the word newfie. Now, do you have, David, a, a favorite? You and Fred shot so many shows with him and, and did so much with him. Do you have a favorite memory? Uh, you know, either shooting with him or maybe even just off camera. Do you have a favorite memory of Tony? Yeah, the, we, had, we had a really special moment at one time. Uh, he brought us down to Miami to cook a dinner at the Wolfsonian Museum with Danielle Boulou, Eric Repair, you know, two very famous French chefs working in New York. 
uh, Andrew Carmelini, another iconic chef in New York. Uh, and he made it really easy on us. It was just like 100 people. We had to cook one course. <laughs> uh, we were very well financed. We all stayed like on his floor at the Raleigh Hotel. And we never understood why like we needed to like spend 14 days in Miami to cook one dinner for you know 100 people with 10 other chefs. And the whole thing was like he said screw it like I booked this for you guys to have 2 weeks off. We literally spent 13 days in the pool at the Raleigh <laughs> drinking beer and doing nothing with Tony, you know, just like sitting by the pool lamenting over should we have the club sandwich or the hamburger for lunch and what cheeseburger restaurant we were going to eat at for dinner. Uh, it, it was a, an amazing, generous uh, time. and you know, We became really close on that trip. Do you think maybe he needed more moments like that? Because you describe his, his lifestyle. He was like a rock star. Do you think maybe he just wanted to go to dinner and just be another face in the crowd and not have to deal with all that? Yeah, I felt that, uh, you know, I think he loved the last show we did in Quebec was very good. It was very fun. We relaxed a lot, had a lot of laughs. But this last trip in Newfoundland, like we're also close to his ex-wife, Otavia. Uh, over the years, you know, she's, she comes up for any UFC events and, you know, they're big, they're big MMA fans and jiu-jitsu fans. And so are we. So we bonded about that. Um, the last time, I think, you know, since the last show we did in Quebec and then this Newfoundland show, we hadn't seen each other for maybe like a year. And uh, I know that during that year, he divorced from Otavia and then he was in a bit dark and he was really starting to complain about life on the road and being away from home, you know, 260 days a year. And it was starting to take its toll and he'd met this uh, new woman. And uh, he fell over, like, you know, head, head, head over heels for this, for this girl. Um, and uh, I just felt that when we, we, when we were in Newfoundland with him, he, it was dark. Uh, it was just, he didn't, he just seemed tired. Uh, he seemed like he was smoking way too many cigarettes, you know, for the wrong reasons. It was like nervous smoking and... Um, I don't know. I remember talking with Fred, like it was, we just like, we were, we were just saying we didn't feel that he was in a good place. That said, you know, could we have reacted? Could we have done anything? No, we're from the restaurant industry. You know, we work with a lot of people who aren't in the, in a good place. So having people around us that are not in a good place is kind of the norm. Uh, we never thought, you know, ultimately that Tony would go that route. Um, because, you know, Tony wanted, you know, who didn't want to be Tony Bourdain, you know? Yeah. Everybody wanted to be Tony Bourdain, uh, you know? Was, but the thing is, is those episodes are fun to watch, but producing those episodes are grueling, you know? And one after the other and year after year and being away from your family and just the, when you're, the normality becomes hotel rooms and being alone with your iPad, you know, you, 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 I can see how he might have been depressed uh, sensitive, and of course, let's not forget that he was somewhat, you know, he, he had he struggled with addiction issues early on in his career. Yep. I don't feel that he was sober, you know, maybe sober from uh, hard drugs, but he was definitely a drinker, you know. We noticed, too, that the drinking was, uh, 
it started early, you know, when we shot Newfoundland, uh, you know, we were drinking at 10 a.m. And we were still drinking at 10 p.m. And, um, you know, for me and Fred, that's a special thing. You know, we just said we're doing that for the shoot. When we go back to our families and normal life in Montreal, Tony was just going on to another shoot and another lonely hotel room yeah, and you, another hotel bar. Yeah, you mentioned the hotel rooms because when you're on the road, your choice is sit in your hotel room and like watch a movie or read a book. You can't go to the living room and hang out with anyone because the living room is the lobby bar. You know, I talk to hockey players about that often. You know, we have hockey players come by the restaurant. and I've made relationships with different hockey players over the years up to till they get traded or they retire, <laughs> you know. And that, that you know, that is sport. Uh, all the money in the world doesn't make getting on a plane every day fun. You know, like pack your bag, put your suit on, grab your bag, go to the bus, get the bus, the airport, airport, go play hockey, go to the gym, go to practice, go back to the hotel room, try to fit your family in. You know, like the regular season for an athlete is grueling. Yeah. No matter, you know, no matter the money, you know, you have to stay in a very strong mental health position. Uh, You know, it can catch up with you. It sure can. David, I I want to end on a lighter note. Um, I love your restaurant uh, so much. I think it's the best restaurant in the whole country. And I was lucky enough to bring... Dan there one night, my wife and I, and we had such a terrific time. And I wish I could remember the gentleman who served us that night because he took a special <laughs> shine to Dan that evening. And yeah, I remember this. He he looked. If I could describe him, David, he looked like like a young Will Sasso from uh, Mad TV. He was a big guy, shaved head. And Patrick Oak. Okay, there we go. So Patrick um, was so kind to us. Uh, Dan asked for Bailey's at one point. He was shocked. Um, and then, and then Dan at one point couldn't find it. We loved the meal, but he couldn't find anything he liked on the menu. And I remember I wanted chocolate. I wanted Dan, something chocolate. Dan craved cho- something chocolate. There wasn't anything chocolate on the dessert menu. So Patrick went out to the Depaneur and got Dan a Mars bar. It was so, like something I'd never seen before in a restaurant. So Patrick, that's Joe Beef. <laughs> that's Joe Beef. I mean, that's such a such a wonderful atmosphere. And he that you served guys it create. on a plate. That's great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll say this in closing, you know, it's, you know, Joe Beef is a, all restaurants are somewhat, you know, run by pirates. <laughs> uh, pi- pirates have an inclusive community. Uh, you know, uh, everybody's welcome on the pirate ship. What we lost in Tony Bourdain is our captain. The captain of the pirate ship is gone, you know. Well said. My friend, it's so nice of you to uh, take a little time. I know you're busy with all the restaurants and everything else, but uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you kindly for having me on, and be well. Take be care, well. David. Thanks, David. That's David McMillan, co-owner of Joe Beef, Le Vin Papillon, Liverpool House, and Mont Yeah, I'd never find Montreal. any of these restaurants unless you'd say, uh, hey, check out this place, check out that place. I'm like... Uh, there's an Arby's across the road. It's my only hobby. <laughs> it's, my, it's it's all I've got. No, it's such a great such a great restaurant. It's tiny. Yes. And um, and it's interesting. The food is interesting. They had the I think they had it when you and I were there. The the foie gras double down. KFC had the double down sandwich at the time, which yeah. was the two chicken breasts, which were serving as the bread of a sandwich. And David and Fred decided to double down on the double down and have their buns be foie gras. 
which is insane. Yeah. Like fried foie gras. Pretty heavy. So <laughs> heavy dish. <laughs> uh, that was nice. That was nice talking to David. Yeah. Um, hey, so you went to a Jays game. Tell me about that. I okay. bet you that didn't cost you anything at all. Um, so anyway, uh, well, you've already got my concession thoughts. <laughs> Ridiculous. Do we, though? Do we have your concession thoughts? Yes. Have we yes, heard we them have. lately? No, it's just... Let's hear them. Let's hear... Because, no, I wanted to do some research and see where the Jays stack up. Oh, to other... Of, yeah. So, okay. Um, we arrived at the Blue Jays game at 1230 for a 107 start. This is tons of time. The lineup to get into our gate, and I'm not even exaggerating, was approximately a kilometer long. So this apparently is a problem ever since they've increased security at Major League Parks. Yes. Other I, parks. I asked the security guard. I got in. He says, yep, every weekend it's like this. He goes, you come during the week? No problem. So I walked past and I, I said, my mom went with me, my daughters. I said, if something was happening on schedule every single weekend that you had a game, would you not assign someone and say, fix this? Yeah. I remember people tweeting about this when the Jays were in the playoffs a few years ago that that the, the game had started and we're still in line waiting to get in because security's so slow. So, yeah, you would think after that debacle that they would figure it out and then get it going. Like, we've been to games in the States together, and it's always just take out your wallet, take out your anything metal in your pocket. You know, it's like going through any checkpoint and then walk through the scanner and pick up your stuff and go in. Like, it's not rocket science. But for some reason, at Skydome, they can't figure it out. And, and they have 12 entrances. And I discussed this on our uh, conference call that we have every day with our group. I said, the money in which they would need to hire someone to fix the problem, they would make up for in all those people getting in quicker to spend more money. Yeah. Yeah. So you, would instantly, you, would, ascend, you would instantly make up that money, hire someone, just say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's try this. That didn't work. Okay, let's try this. Just... Just figure something out. <laughs> so you, you had a hard time getting in, and then when you were in, you're spending a lot on concessions. Yeah, again, I'm going to come back with a comparison, but uh, love sitting watching a J game, just going with a 7- and 10-year-old. Oh, God, they want no part of that. Why even take them? I would be my question. Because I want them to like, they're starting to like it now, because I had the, the game on the other day, the next day. They sat and watched for like 45 minutes, which they never do, because okay. now they're kind of like, okay, I'm starting, starting to understand. They're starting to figure it out. Yeah. Jamie Noodles McLennan, are you going to take your kids to Jay's games and deal with an hour-long security line? Uh, probably not, but my wife, Steph, will. She's really good at that, and uh, <laughs> she's a huge Jay's fan, and ironically, she's got a pea head just like my kids, so they, they can share the same hat. So it's, uh, it's great. And actually, she's taken our daughter Dylan already to the game. So um, I, you know, I'm not a huge Jays fan, not a huge baseball fan, but I always find that uh, it takes so long, like just not even to get in. I get that, but like the game is so slow and you know, I went a couple of years ago, and I think uh, the catcher's name was uh, Navarro. And I, I thought he was so lazy, he couldn't even run it out. So I would get, <laughs> I would get choked. I've had enough. So I, um, I, I have admitted this before, that I was at the game when Joey Bats did the bat flip. Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. 
but I left immediately after because <laughs> I had been drinking and my buddy that I was with, we wanted to get to Harbor 60 before the rush. Yes. So I, I figured that, uh, you know, he did the bat flip. They were in good shape. They won. So then I uh, went to Harbor 60 and continued on my night. Put oh, it that okay. way. That's the way to do it. Um, noodles, you, you don't like the outdoors. Would you consider a Blue Jay game where the dome was open outdoors? Absolutely. Okay. There was a mosquito that landed on my arm that one, <laughs> one day. Now, I went another time where it was, it was so warm, it was disgusting. And I felt like I came up with um, a pretty good invention, though. I don't know if you guys can run with this, but it's called the ice towel balaclava. So if you make a mask out of a towel and you soak it in water and then freeze it overnight, you could wear it. Yeah. Uh, and you could get each respective team could do their own team colors. So you yes. could wear like a balaclava and, you know, the guys, instead of selling peanuts, they could sell ice cold balaclavas to put over your face when it's so hot out. And I, I was hung over one day and went to um, a game with a buddy and it was so hot. I was so frustrated and I got bitten by a mosquito as well. So uh, that was my second bad experience with the, the Jays and the dome open. It was awful. I, I think love you have this a good balaclava idea. idea. Or just ice cold towels, hip. <laughs> yeah, get your towels. Exactly. Jays just towels. Get, yeah. get a towel around your neck, but I, I went a step further and made a mask out of it. And just the eye holes. <laughs> so you could be, be you could be cool and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> I love it, Jamie. I love it. So Noodles, um, your take on OV right now. Everyone is, is loving this except for Damian Cox. Well, listen, I'm not going to go after somebody at the other company, but I do think it's ridiculous that people are criticizing him. If I won a Stanley Cup, I may be still floating in a river in Thailand somewhere. Who right. knows? Right, yeah. But I will, like, Ovi is on a mission, and the only thing he's proving is that the guy's got an iron liver. Yes. Because um, as much as I like to go on benders, uh, put it this way, I would go on a, on a Stanley Cup bender at the end of every season, and I didn't win anything. <laughs> so the fact that this guy put a Stanley Cup uh, in his back pocket to go along with every other award that he's ever won, I'm happy for it, and I can't wait. The only difference in today's world is that it's it's being documented because right, yeah. that's 2018. Right. Um, Was I it any this, different for, like, the Oilers in the 80s or the oh Flames in 89? Like, Absolutely. I, uh, I, I played uh, three years with Grant Fear in St. Louis. And on the planes, you get a, I used to sit at the back of the plane. Fierzy was the last row, and myself and Chris Pronger used to sit in front of him. And on long trips, we'd get some rum into him and get him telling stories about the Oilers in the 80s. And there's a reason why that Stanley Cup means a chaperone. And it's from those guys. When <laughs> Messier would take it to the Bruin Inn, it's a strip club in St. Albert, Alberta, and, you know, all hell would break loose. There's a reason why it needs a chaperone. And it's not because... Ovi's taking it into a fountain. It's because uh, guys did nasty things uh, to it and out of it uh, uh, years ago. That's why. And that's why Philip Pritchard has a job right now. So Ovi, all these guys like uh, from the past who won it before, they're seeing his antics and saying, that's nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you, the guys from the Islanders that won it four years in a row in, oh, yeah. in the 80s and the Oilers, they're looking at that saying, that's nothing. I do remember a story of, of a guy telling me that they went on a bender and he left his car at the rink from the original night of them winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> 
12 days later, he went and got his car. 12 <laughs> days, almost two full weeks. He, he was kind of, he said he woke up at one point and was in Hawaii. He had no idea how he got Oh, it. man. So like, this, is, uh, this is nothing compared to what these guys were doing in the 80s and 90s. At the same time, Noodles, is Oviet going to let anyone else touch the thing? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's an argument. I mean, you know, this guy is basically just glued it to his hip. And I know there's probably other guys going, all right, you might want to share a little bit, but we'll see how it goes tomorrow. I can't wait, uh, you know, for Tuesday's parade because, you know, Obi's going to have his speech and it'll be in broken English. But for me, the it'll be the sleeper guy, the guy who is just shattered, who gets the microphone. I want to see a Corey Crawford where, you know, the guy's yelling and swearing and, yeah. and just hammered out of his tree. He's basically Bernie Lomax, and they just wheel him up there. I, uh, that's the guy I'm looking forward my, to. My money's on Oshie, because that guy crushed those two beers at once. Yeah. Uh, he, that guy can drink. Well, you know what it is, is those guys, they're, they're some sneaky guys who went to college, and that's where they learned how to do that type of stuff, because you knew they weren't going to class. And I, I think that the college guys, will their, their skills will be on display for sure on, in that parade. The problem is, is on those floats, you try and be in your best behavior or a little bit on your best behavior yeah. because maybe your family members are for around. Sure, but yeah. ultimately, if you've had a time the night before, uh, we all know if, if you've drank so much the night before and then you have three or four beers the next day, it's in your system, so you're pickled again. So it'll, uh, I, I can't wait to see it. What happens when Ovi brings it to Russia, the cup? I think Putin just steals it, and just like he did with Robert Kraft's ring uh, that just went disappear. He only walked in, he showed it to Putin, and Putin said, what ring? And it disappeared, and they never saw it again. That was incredible. I, I feel like somehow there will be some sort of like fake cup that gets sent back with Ovi, and the real one just will be in Putin's office. And, and you know what? Putin will bring it out because everyone knows Putin likes to play hockey. And if you ever watch the videos of yeah, Putin he's really playing good. hockey, he's really nobody, good. nobody goes near him. No. Because if you knock that, God forbid, if a goaltender made a save on him, You're they dead. may never see this guy and his family ever again. So Thousand those guys, uh, everyone just kind of lets him do his thing, and he fumbles around on the ice and uh, scores 10 goals, and they win. So now <laughs> in, in uh, Putin's pickup games, they'll be playing for the Stanley Cup. Uh, Noodles, is that what happened to you in your career? Someone had these threats against you for making saves? <laughs> <laughs> a zinger. Lack of talent. That's the only difference. It was. wasn't a wasn't a threat of anything other than just uh, I couldn't get in the way. Most nights, they, as Ray Ferraro would call it, I played dodgeball out there. <laughs> Wait a minute, you played? Did you play seventeen seasons or eighteen seasons? I played seventeen pro seasons, uh, thirteen in the NHL. If you include a year of the lockout, I was a player rep. Uh, I still, I mean, yeah, I had to work. nobody played any games, but I was in the NHL at that time. So yeah, I lost a year and a half to, of my career to those ridiculous lockouts. But uh, hopefully we're not dealing with that again in I was just going to ask you, do you think another one's coming? Um, if you were a betting man? I, I'm saying less around this time because uh, Bill Foley just spent... 500 million on Vegas. Yep. And I think Seattle's going to spend probably 600. So you got over a billion dollars in in new teams coming into the league. I think there's a lot more at stake. Plus the uh, I think the NHL wants to branch out. They're obviously going to be starting and and, do, and doing a couple games in China. Uh, I, I, I it's bad for the league. Uh, obviously guys will be fighting about escrow and 
And, uh, you know, you want to grow the game. And I think at some point you're going to have to get ahead of it. But knowing there's two leaders in, in Gary Bettman and, and Donald Fear, they, they like to fight and they like lockouts and work stoppages. So hopefully that doesn't happen. And it would be so horrible because right now the NHL is like the cool league. There are so many viewing parties. Like you, you see the fans in Washington uh, watching a game on the road. You see the fans in Vegas watching again. You see the fans in Winnipeg. You don't yeah, see that I, in NBA cities. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's you've got to stick with the momentum. But uh, you know, Gary Bettman's philosophy before was that the fans will come back. So if if his if his I guess marching orders from the owners are to get X, Y, and Z. That's what he's going to try and implement. And I think the players would be best suited to to try and get the best deal possible, not try and die on a hill. I remember, you know, we would have meetings because I was a player rep, and they would say, you know, one guy suggested, well, what what if we do take a cap, but we try and get uh, a higher share percentage, and people were just losing it on him. You, you've got to figure out, like, um, if you think that you're going to lose, you're, you've got billionaires versus millionaires. At some point, they can outweigh you. Uh, you know, you're, you're giving up a lot of your career. At that point, I was giving up a, a year of my career for somebody who was maybe 10 years old at the time. So I, I think the players have to be a little bit selfish in that, right? And personally, I want them to be selfish because I don't want to sit and talk about nothing for a year oh, on yeah. overdrive. Yep. Jeff O'Neill will attack me and, oh, and choke God. us all out because there's not a chance he'll be able to last. No, for the worst there's mail no. in the studio for Jeff O'Neill. There's mail sitting here for him. Let him know. Okay. Yeah, I saw that, but uh, he'll get to that probably this summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I had another question. You were drafted by the Islanders, so you have a special place in your heart for the Isles. And, uh, and I wonder if you think now that Lou Lamorello did what we all knew he was going to do. He dispatched of Garth Snow, and unfortunately Doug Wade had to go with him. Do you think now that John Tavares will sign with the Isles Noodles? I think the fact that Lou went there is probably positive for the fact that uh, at least Tavares and his his management group will know there's going to be a plan in place. Now, they've waited this long. I would would argue that they'll, they'll check out free agency and see what's kicking around. Um, his agency will know the four or five teams that John has circled, but the, the fact that Lou Lamorello's there and Lou's probably laid a couple scenarios out in front of him saying, hey, I'm going to go get a goalie, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, uh, oh, and by the way, you're going to get paid that much. Like, I, I think John will at least know where Lou's at and if he decides, I mean, it's up to him. If he decides, hey, I'm going to take a bunch of money in Montreal or in San Jose or, you know, in Toronto to be, a, I guess, a secondary player, even, you know, to, to Austin Matthews. But he'll know where he wants to go. But there's no, there's no reason to believe that he, he at least won't explore, like Steven Stamkos, that the, the organization that brought him into the league, because I think Tavares is a, um, a loyal guy, but he also wants to have success there, and maybe Lou is the guy to help deliver that. Gary Bettman, say it when he's done, whenever that is, like, God. Yeah, it seems like it's got to Buddy, end just retire. Yeah. Who are your top three to replace Gary Bettman? Ooh, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I mean, does it have to be, like... I it think can be the, anyone. It could be outside the anyone. box. It could be Noodles. No, it wouldn't be me. I, the, the league would fall apart. Jeff O'Neill. You know what I would do is I would get agitated. I would love to be in player safety because I would hand out suspensions left and right. I hate diving. I hit, hate hitting from behind. 
I hate all the greasy stuff in the sports. So I, I would nominate myself for player safety for one year to try and clean it up. But uh, I, I, I realistically could see a guy like Chris Pronger if, if he, you know, if, if he had like a, more of a legal background. But you know, they're going to go and get some lawyer, some hotshot yeah. lawyer from New York or something who is all about business. But if it was a player, um, I could see a guy like Chris Pronger or a Nick Lidstrom, somebody who's who's a Hall of Famer oh, who's man. got a lot of clout. And, and, is, and is still tied to the game in some facet. What about, about Brian Burke? I was going to say, there's a guy who went to Harvard Law School of all I places. Know, but Berkey, you know the problem with Berkey is he's such a hothead sometimes. Like, yes. You see him running the league and then somebody getting after him and him challenging. Remember when he challenged Kevin Lowe to a fight in a barn yeah, because awesome. of Dustin Penner's offer sheet? <laughs> You imagine Berkey doing that, like you know, somebody calling him out, and and he'd be like, "Okay, you know what? I'll fly into wherever. I'm flying into Philly right now to kick your ass." You know, he's he or he's going after uh, an owner or something. Jeff Molson. He doesn't like what Jeff Molson's doing, so he challenges him to a fight. Like <laughs> that's great, and I want my commissioner to have a, a dipper in the lip. Yeah, that's true. The tie, the dipper, and the lip. Like, I think Berkey. I don't know what Berkey wants to do, and when it's all said and done, I think he's enjoying what he's doing right now for the for the time being. But uh, I can see. I mean, Berkey certainly has all the experience on all different levels. He would be a good resource, but I just I don't know what the, what he wants to do. You know, at the at the end of the day, noodles. I gotta say. We got to get you on more often because you are fantastic. You're a friend of our television program. You're a friend of our podcast. You're an all-around good guy, and you hate the outdoors. You're good, in my books. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, you watch every movie that goes to the theater. What is your biggest recommendation right now? Oh, I saw this dud today. Um, Heredity. <laughs> well, don't tell us about the dud. Oh, no. Okay, hold on, Noodles. Now, Heredity, you didn't like, and I'm hearing from other people that they love it, but you are not into it. I. I wasn't that into it. I'm a little. It was a little bit tired, so I was not as focused. But I, it just the commercial. It's I, I won't have a spoiler. But the commercial, the commercials are so different than the actual movie. Hmm. So I think that's what kind of rattled my cage because I was watching it and I'm like, all right, this isn't supposed to happen. And 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 I think maybe that's why people were were loving it. It's it's. It's not very predictable, and I don't mind that. I'm not suggesting it should be predictable. I'm just saying, like, it, it just kind of caught me off guard, and it wasn't as scary as people were making it out to be. I, I don't get freaked out too much, and and this one didn't have any, like, scariness to me mm-hmm. anyways, and, and it was a little long, too. I always look at, at the scheduling of, of a movie based on, you know, me getting into our show, and... I had to go a little earlier because this one's like two hours and eight minutes. So I was a bit rattled that it was a bit long. Usually, the I think horror movies should be about a buck forty at the best. Yeah. Now, but what's your recommend? So you didn't like that one. What's one where you'd say right now I, you got to go see it? I saw Ocean's Eight. I like that. Oh okay. yeah. Um, you know what? I I I I it ties into the other ones. Uh, except this one's all women, and uh, I, I thought Sandra Bullock was outstanding. She kind of dropped off the the movie map for a while, and she's back now. and And the cast was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed Ocean's Eight. I don't mm. have anything negative to say about that whatsoever. I like it, Jamie McLennan. Uh, you can hear him on Overdrive on TSN Radio if you're. Uh I guess you can listen all over the world if you hop online. I was going to say if you're in the GTA, but it's the yeah. best radio show, period, in this city. 
Um, and it's even better when O Dog just leaves, just checks out <laughs> completely. He goes baby monkey sometimes, and we know that. But uh, when he circles back in, it's the best because usually we have to bring him up to speed of what's going on. So it's, uh, we do it live in real time. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, you guys are amazing. Jamie, thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon, my thanks, friend. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's Jamie McLennan. Noodles. Uh, Good guy. We explained it the first time he ever came on why his nickname was Noodles. It's because that's all he ate on the buses between games. When he was playing for the Lethbridge Hurricanes yeah. in the W. They just called them Noodles. Noodles. Okay, do we have time for Olga? Oh, yeah. So this is the last This is perfect. We got, we got 10 minutes or so here to just delve okay. into this final letter. This is Olga. the last email I got from her. I woke up to this on Sunday morning. I already explained to you that my phone is broken. Oh, the Chinese phone. You do not read my letters? I'm surprised that you still don't believe me. It's a shock to me. We have a long correspondence with you. Also exchange photos. I sent one. Me as dog man. What else is necessary that you stop doubting me? You wrote all those beautiful words. I've written no beautiful words. It seemed like you did. But did not even hope that I was real? It's funny. So you're ready to spend time together and whisper sweet words in my ear. But are not ready to trust me. Does she see a relationship as just people whispering in your ear all and day? And making pancakes with condensed milk. Yes! Give me the dirty talk every time! How are those pancakes? Oh, you, like, you like the mushy center? You like that? I'm gonna bite into it. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> okay. We're in the same... We are in the same situation with you. I never saw you either. So she's saying we instead of I? Yeah. Or is she tying Tatiana? It's not her first language. And what guarantees do I have? Maybe when I come to you, there will be no one there or you will say that you were joking with me. What then should I do in such a situation? Agree, I do not have a 100% guarantee. According to your letters, I see that you are a decent person. Openly talk about your feelings. I don't do that. You've never done that ever, and this with has, your family. Or- <laughs> and this has trust in you. I drive bad thoughts out of my head that you could be a scoundrel. I want Ooh. to trust you completely. I yeah. fell in love with you like a little girl. That's I like a good. magnet pulling you. But also I heard on the internet a lot of stories about how girls got acquainted with foreign men who told beautiful words to girls. But in reality, everything turned out to be quite different. As if, in words, the girls had to return home disappointed in the man and in relations and this is not the worst thing that happened with the girls never returned home or stayed there for many years my friends are also skeptical about our correspondence with you and say that it's more like a fairy tale hmm I agree from a part of it our relations are developing so swiftly that my head is dizzy my heart is open to you and I do not want to think about anything bad when I communicate with you my friends do not know about all our correspondence, so they cannot judge from the outside. I have a wonderful intuition, and I can feel the person's relationship to me from a distance. Last paragraph. We are both at risk in this situation. I am ready to leave my family, friends, my country, and overcome a huge distance just to meet you. Do you not think that for me it's easy? I have a huge excitement inside, but I'm ready to overcome all my fears just to be with you. It was so difficult for me to find you, and I do not want to lose you, my beloved. If it was possible for me to come to you on my own, I would never ask you for help. 
but I'm also at a loss now because I do not have the opportunity to pay all expenses. That's why I suggested that you pay the expenses in half. It'll be a guarantee for me that you are really serious about me and your feelings are real. I'm ready to take a step forward if you help me with this. I'm beginning to think she's real and that uh, this is a woman you will marry. Okay, let's craft a response to that one because I haven't responded to that. Okay. Dear Olga. Just wait. Hang on. Hang on. I got to get into the Olga folder. There it is. God. Folder. Okay. Reply. Okay. Dear, dear Olga. Dear Olga. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> Love. Dead. No. P.S. <laughs> you never set foot in Saskatchewan. Serious, what can I put? Dear Olga. Dear Olga. Like sands through the hourglass, <laughs> so go the days of our lives. It seems an eternity since our bodies last touched. <laughs> but they don't. And that's because they haven't. <laughs> but with your help this and right, generosity. Because, because they haven't. Okay. But with your help and generosity. Mm -hmm. And a small cash contribution. Those dollar dollar bills, y'all. We will finally meet one day. So here's my suggestion. My it should be my final. Here's my final suggestion. We split the difference and meet in London. No visas needed, right? That's right. I can't speak for the Russians, but not for you. Dear Olga. Like sands through the hourglass, so go the days of our lives. It seems an eternity since our bodies last touched, and that's because they haven't. But with your help and generosity and a small cash contribution, we will finally meet one day. Here's my final suggestion. We split the difference and meet in London. No visas required. My name's Dan O'Toole, and I support this ad. Perfect. This is our last chance. For romance. Yeah, I like that. Meet me. Want to see my slide? Where, where did we do the show from in 2012? Trafalgar Square. Meet me in front of, in front of the London Gallery at Trafalgar Square. Okay, well, that's why I, I will race to you and we will embrace. Or should we say, or go to Moscow and meet Rob Stone? And give him money. Or he has money for you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Or. Scrap. Or. Alternate plan. Alternate. <laughs> I have friends at the World Cup. I find myself speaking like her. Uh, perfect. Friends. This is only the beginning. The World Cup. They have money for you. <laughs> that's right. Can you go meet them in Moscow? It's only 14 hours away. 
Okay, there we go. Two options. Perfect. Hard to argue with that. Okay, we did it. Well, this has been a wonderful podcast. So it seems like Dan and Olga uh, are just in the next stage of a burgeoning and long-lasting relationship filled with love, trust, and probably a little kinky sex. Do you think if... So say... Say she's real. We meet up. We yes. fall in love. Yes. And then she discovers these podcasts. Eh, we'll worry about that when the time comes. Let's uh, give a big thank you to Jamie Noodles McLennan. Awesome guest. Great insight. Fun to talk to him. And David McMillan from Joe Beef and all those great restaurants in Montreal. Really great words about the late, great Anthony Bourdain. How come they've never brought a restaurant to Toronto? It's a great question. Uh, I guess we should ask them that. Yeah. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll text them right after this and I'll ask them that. And we'll, get, we'll have the answer next week. Maybe they don't want to... Maybe they have an unofficial... Remember Earl's never came out east? And Cactus. Because Jack Astor's had some sort of... They had some sort of unspoken, like, agreement. Unwritten agreement. I guess it was spoken because they couldn't communicate by telepathy. <laughs> that they would stay in each other's playground, right? The Earl's and Cactus Clubs would be out west and the Jack Astor's. And then Astor's came to Calgary or something. And the Earl's people were like, F- you, here we come. And it was an unspoken, unwritten agreement. <laughs> it was only blinking. <laughs> Uh, restaurants. Fun okay. to uh, talk to you guys. And we'll, uh, thanks we'll, for listening. Uh, we'll post the letter that yes. I sent Olga, the envelope. We'll put it on the Jay and Dan um, Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. So you can see see how she did not fall for it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm surprised in many ways. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. They're going home!
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast, presented by our good friends at Coors Light.